Welcome to Ensemble Sports Talk. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Man, woman, and child did that. Put them in the aisle. You believe in miracles yet? Bobby, anything to add? Uh, He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Okay, and we're back. Doing players to watch out for that aren't certified studs. This is Ensemble Sports Talk. I am co-host, Tim. I co-host with Jared. Who I assume already did an introduction, but I just did a basic one, just in case. Just in case. Anyways, we did our conference breakdown the last time we recorded. We went from East to West, ACC, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. This time out, we are doing our players to watch out for that aren't certified studs, or if you would prefer the acronym, the P-T-W-O-F-T-A-C-S. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that because I'm pretty sure I can't. It's a lot of consonants. Not very many vowels. Phonetically, it doesn't work at all. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say it. It doesn't work grammatically either, but it's what we have. Anyways, we're going to start off in the ACC. We've got two players per conference. going to do a little bit about each player. Not too much because we're going to try and keep this short, sweet, to the point. Some of these guys have not played a snap of college football yet. Hence, they're not certified studs. Others have but they're not certified studs yet because they need to have one more good year. Or, it's guys who have been solid and consistent, and they're veterans, and the current situation that they find themselves in, they're poised to have a career year. That's really the criteria we've got going on here for my list. Um, Jared might break down his. The point is, these are guys who either haven't played, have the have the opportunity to have their best seasons or they're just they're lesser knowns they're lesser knowns who really make an impact and we're going to get ourselves underway once again going east to west we're going to start in the acc we have sam howell quarterback north carolina you might be thinking tim why is he not a certified stud he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country and i will tell you Hey, random person. He's only played for one year. He has such a high ceiling. He can do better. So he's not a certified stud yet. If he comes out and he has an even better season, or he does the same thing even, because he was great last year, slap that certified stud label right on his behind, because he will have earned it. He will have earned it. If you watched North Carolina play last year, you know he is basically the entirety of their offense. They need him to play well to do well. And if you watched them play Clemson, which I'm sure a lot of people watched the end of that game after they saw how close it was, you will know North Carolina should have beaten Clemson. They should have won that game. If they would not have run one of the worst two-point conversion plays of all time, maybe they would have won. And I'm sure all of you are thinking, man, why'd they run an option to the corner? against one of the fastest defenses in the country. Great question. I can't tell you why. Power left, power right, maybe a screen or an underneath. Anything. Anything different. And they could have won that game. They could have won that game. And and, th- and that would be 
Like, uh, that would be the career, def- like the first career defining win for Sam Howell. He's going to have to wait for that one, but he'll get it. He'll get it. He has Mac Brown. He's got a full year under his belt as a true freshman starter. It's coming in sophomore season, sophomore slump. That's the big one that a lot of people fall into. They get a little comfortable. Look at Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. Over exceeded expectations as a freshman. Wasn't the end all be all of quarterbacks. Wasn't outstanding, but he was good. He was better than he was supposed to be as a freshman. Sophomore slump. That is almost an understatement for how poorly he played last year. He was not good. He was not good. So we'll see if Sam Howell can keep uh, can keep himself on the up and up. We'll see. For Mac Brown and North Carolina's sake, hopefully, because he is uh, he 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 is the offense. He is the offense. They need him to play well. And if he does, they're poised to kind of come back and be good, kind of like where they were in the mid to late 2000s. Second player out of the ACC, another quarterback. We have De'Eric King, quarterback from Miami. Used to be at Houston. Established himself as a as a true, dynamic, dual-threat quarterback. He can throw, he can run. Big play guy. Got hurt early last year. Decided to redshirt left the team, transferred to Miami. Miami has had the quarterback position for them has been a huge toss-up, huge toss-up in the last three to four seasons. They have really struggled to find a guy who who can be a starter beyond one season. Beyond one season, they haven't had a consistent starter in a couple of years. They need one. They have the defense. They have the defense they need. They just The offense isn't consistent enough. And he might provide that that go-to option. When they need a play, he can make it. He's also a big play threat with his arm and his legs. They need something like that. Since Mark Richt has left, they haven't had that on offense, and they need it very badly. Because, again, they have the defense they need to be really good and to be great and to compete for the ACC. They just don't have the offense. And he has the tools to provide that for them. He can give them the threat they need. Moving on to the SEC. We have two quarterbacks here. One of them is one of my aforementioned players who has not played a snap of college football yet. He is quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. The number one quarterback recruit in last year's class. Played at modern day. Won state titles. I believe they won a national championship one of those years. Dude just won a crap ton of games, racked up the yards, stat stuffer. We'll see if he can come in and if he can win the QB battle between him and Mac Jones. He's aided by the fact that Tua's brother just transferred to Maryland. That's one less person to beat out. Mac Jones, however, in three to four games he started last year, didn't. there were no signs that he could not be the guy. He played great. He played great in the games he started last year. So we'll see if he can beat Bryce Young and he can remain the starter, or if Bryce Young can come in and really be dynamic. Really, really be dynamic and kind of keep Alabama humming at the level they're at. Because if Bryce Young can win the QB battle, it'll be intriguing to see if, as a true freshman, he can keep Alabama's offense playing at 
the rate it has become accustomed to in the last two seasons, especially because they just lost their two best receivers, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddell, and obviously the quarterback, Tua. Um, But this could be, if he wins the starting job, this will be very reminiscent of when Jalen Hurts became the starter as a true freshman, and there were a lot of questions about him because he was much more of a runner than he was a passer. But he still got the job done, and they won national titles with him. Our second player from the SEC, we have K.J. Costello, quarterback, Mississippi State, formerly the quarterback at Stanford. Got hurt very early in the season last year. We're going to come back to that later when we, co- when we talk about players from the Pac-12. But he got hurt very early against Northwestern. He had been their starter for at least two seasons, I believe three. Big body, veteran, good football IQ. He can throw. He can run when he has to. The reason he's on my list is because he is one of those players. He is poised to have a career best season. Career best, people. Career best. Listen to my words as I say them. Because, and you might ask yourself, why is that? And I will tell you, Mike Leach is the head coach at Mississippi State now. And for those of us who love the Pirate, as we affectionately know him, he is the godfather of the air raid. He has perfected the air raid offense. You can basically plug any quarterback you want into his offense, and they will instantly throw for 5,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, and complete 68% of their passes. That is almost a fact. If you're wondering whether or not uh, how, how, uh, how viable that fact is, look at Gardner Minshew, and then look at Anthony Gordon last year. Anthony Gordon started for one season in college last season at Washington State. He threw for 5,000 plus yards. He's in the top 10 in single season passing. He threw for a ton of touchdowns. He completed over 65% of his passes. I believe he completed 70%, if not very close to 70%. And and the dude lit it up and it was his only year starting. So you have Mike Leach's offense with a veteran quarterback in the SEC. A league known for ground and pound and tough physical defense. And they're going to line up, they're going to pack the field with receivers, and they're just going to let it fly. We'll see if those stats translate. And if Mississippi State, because the thing is, is Mississippi State might just outscore a lot of people. They could win a lot of games this year just because they score so many points. This seems like one of those things that will either go so well, no one can beat them, or it just won't work at all, and they will be bad. But we shall see. Mike Leach has had success his last two coaching stops, Texas Tech, Washington State. When he got there, completely irrelevant programs. Didn't, no one paid attention to them at all. Transformed them into just extremely high-powered offensive machines that just scored and scored and scored. Think Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech. And then think about the best Washington State team he had was Gardner Minshew's Washington State team from two seasons ago. So we'll see if KJ Costello and Mike Leach can combine to, to just light up the SEC. We'll see. As somebody who just loves to watch points get put up on the board and has watched a ton of Mike Leach football because I, I love watching his teams play, I am so excited for this. I am so excited for this. Fingers crossed that they do well. Moving on once again 
We are now in the Big 12, and we have our last player. I say our last player. He's only our second player to have not taken a collegiate snap. Although he has been in college, he redshirted last year at Oklahoma behind Jalen Hurts. We have Spencer Rattler, quarterback, Oklahoma. He's from Pinnacle High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. I went to college in Phoenix at the same time that he was in high school in Scottsdale. Pinnacle was a very hot ticket. He was extremely good. Top quarterback recruit coming out of high school. Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma as a grad transfer. Rattler decided to still go there. Redshirted his freshman year. Give some time to learn the system. Become more accustomed to it. Really settle in and get comfortable. And it should make the transition easier for him to become the starter. Now, where it gets interesting. C.D. Lamb is no longer there. So he lost his best wide receiver. Kennedy Brooks, I believe... Also went to the NFL. Best running back is gone. So the burden of creating offense is going to be on him more this year than it would have been last year if he became the starter. However, if he is as good as what you see on film would lead you to believe, he shouldn't have a problem with that. and He should be awesome. The real challenge for him would be keeping Oklahoma at the level they've been at for the last three or four years. Because Oklahoma has become that team. They're kind of the de facto fourth team for the playoff now. It's Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and then if it's not any combination of like Notre Dame, Stanford, Washington, Florida State, Michigan or somebody, it's Oklahoma. Oklahoma is always like they are right there every year now. So we'll see if he can keep them playing at that level. That To me, that's the real challenge there. Our second player out of the Big 12, it's another quarterback, Charlie Brewer, quarterback from Baylor. He is so important to his team. He is so important to his team. If you question that at all, watch a replay of last year's Big 12 title game between Baylor and Oklahoma. Before he got hurt, it looked like Baylor had them. They had Oklahoma's number. It looked like Baylor could win that game. He gets hurt, goes out. Baylor's a totally different team. The game is totally different. They, they cannot keep stride with Oklahoma at all. At all. He is the heart and soul of their offense. And he's really going to have to step up this year because Matt Rule's gone. He went to the NFL. He's now the coach of the Carolina Panthers. So they really, really need Charlie Brewer to step up and be the guy and lead their offense. This is going to be one of those years for Baylor, who is a program who they kind of go in waves where they have two or three great years. They're down for two years. Then they have three more great years. they, They go in waves. We'll see if he can keep them up. We'll see if he can keep them up. Because Baylor's, uh, he is a good QB. He is a very, very good QB. And they need him. They need him badly, especially this year. Let's see. That was a hard decision deciding between him and Brock Purdy. But I think that he, he is more, I mean, Brock Purdy obviously is Iowa State's best player and he's extremely important. But I think in a transitional year for Baylor where they just lost their head coach, Charlie Brewer means more to his team because obviously they just lost their head coach. So he he's like the big holdover for that can like any semblance of consistency can stay put as long as he's under center. And moving on once again, we go to the Big Ten, which is like the most old school grind grinded out just physical league in the country. That's just... Hands down. 
a lot of that is because they play in the rain, they play in the snow, and they play a lot of cold weather games in the back half. So throwing the ball isn't much of an option. Um, although one of our players to watch out for that is not a certified stud is, in fact, a wide receiver. I'll talk about him first. We have Wandale Robinson. I have him categorized as a wingback because he takes snaps at running back as well. Um, kind of Jabril Pepper style when he would line up where he might line up in the slot or be a running back. But Wandale Robinson lines up in the slot for Nebraska where he lines up at running back. The big thing with him is longevity and if he can ha- if he can take all of the hits because he's small. He's small. He's like five foot nine, five foot ten, like 180 something pounds. He is a tiny dude. And you get uh, when you get hit as hard as you do as a receiver going over the middle or a running back getting like 10 to 15 carries a game, you have to be able to take the hits and keep on going. He got hurt last year down the stretch, and they didn't play him as much because of health concerns because they didn't want him to re-injure himself. That can't happen for him. Nebraska doesn't have any other players like him. He is the most dynamic player they have. They need to get more people like him, but for now, he's all they got. They have to have him out there, especially when they play the big boys, when they play Ohio State, when they play Penn State. And I really don't want to admit that Wisconsin's... I'm not going to say Wisconsin's a big boy because I don't want to. Wisconsin is... To win the West, you got to go through Wisconsin. That's just kind of the way it is now. To get over the hump of beating Wisconsin, they need him to be healthy. But again, he is the most dynamic player they have. He, he, he is a guy, when you get him the ball, he is the big play threat. Something can happen whenever the ball is in his hands. And they have to... He, he is poised. The offense he's in, he can have a great season really any year. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy. If he has gotten himself into a position where he can stay healthy, he will be dangerous. Dangerous. Moving on to our second player. We have a defensive player, which I believe is my first defensive player. It is. It is also my only defensive player. Not that we're biased to the offense. It's just, I don't know, defense is not as individual as offense is. But anyways, I mean, it can be if you have like a transcendent talent like Ohio State did with Chase Young last year because that guy just made plays. And coincidentally, my player to watch out for that isn't a certified stud, my second one, is a defensive end for Ohio State. It's their other defensive end from last year, Zach Harrison. Didn't have a lot of attention paid to him because everyone was focusing on Chase Young. Zach Harrison is extremely good, extremely talented. If I remember correctly, he had nine and a half or ten sacks last year. Really got into the backfield and he was a presence. Now... What we're, the reason we're looking, the reason we're watching out for him, the reason we're watching out for him, Chase Young is not on the other side of the defensive line this year. He has no Chase Young on the other side. So he's going to see more blockers. People are going to pay more attention to him. We're going to see if he can come up big because he's going to need to. But all indications are that he has the skills to be able to do so. And also, Ohio State has become a factory for defensive ends and corners. Defensive ends and corners, Ohio State just churns them out. They churn them out just relentlessly. And Zach Harrison could be the next, he could be the next really, really good defensive end at Ohio State. All indications are he can do it. We're just, we're going to find out this year because a lot more attention is going to be paid to him. If he can handle it and be great, I'm going to look really smart. And I would really appreciate that. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't like Ohio State at all. Not one bit. I do not like them. They are, however, really good. And their blackout jerseys with the red numbers, those things are clean as hell. 
My God, those things look good. Anyway, we're going to move on to the Pac-12 now. I have a wide receiver and a quarterback because the Pac-12 doesn't really play defense. Unless you're... I mean, Oregon has a good defense. Oregon plays defense. Stanford's defense has kind of fallen off. Washington lost all their guys to the NFL like two years ago. But I digress. First player, wide receiver, USC, Brew McCoy. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's not because he played last year. It's because you probably heard about what it took for him to just get to college. He committed to USC. Very late, he flipped and went to Texas. After he enrolled at Texas, after like two weeks, he decided, I don't want to be here anymore. Entered the transfer portal and went back to USC. He has become the poster boy for everything wrong with the transfer portal because he left USC, went to Texas, left Texas, went back to USC. And like he didn't lose eligibility or whatever. Like it it just it just happened. And that that's just the way it went. But we're not we're not focusing on that. We're not focusing on that. We're just focusing on him as a player and how talented he is. If I recall correctly, he got sick, so he wasn't able to play last year. But all reports are out of USC's workouts and stuff in the spring, this dude has it. He is he has all the tools to just be the guy. And if you think about that, they already have a guy who has all the tools to be the guy. That's Amon Ross St. Brown. That guy is really good. He's amazing. He is amazing. And Brew McCoy could slide. USC loses Michael Pittman Jr. Brew McCoy could replace him very easily, and there may be no drop-off at all. Because they have Keaton Slovis throwing, and Keaton Slovis established himself as a, as a solid and very good starting quarterback last year. So much so that JT, JT Daniels is transferring away. So if Brew McCoy can really come on strong and everything from the workouts and the walkthroughs and the practices translates onto the field during games against good opponents, USC will have a dangerous offense because they will have two, two, count them, two dynamic receiving threats that can line up really anywhere on the field. So I mean, we'll see how that goes because this could be the year for Clay Helton and USC where they really bounce back and they, 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 win, they win 10 games, nine games, 10 games. This could be the year. This could be the year. And USC's faith in Clay Helton would be rewarded. And they could tell all the people saying they should have fired him to step off. Second player from the Pac-12. We have a quarterback because that's my favorite position for these things. Quarterback, Stanford, Davis Mills. The highest rated recruit in his class when he came out of high school. And he was in the same class as Tua. Granted, hindsight is twenty twenty, And we obviously know which one of them was better. That being said, this guy sat behind KJ Costello for multiple seasons, and he wasn't going to play last year, but Costello suffered a very bad concussion week one against Northwestern, and there it is. I said we were going to come back to that, and now we have arrived at our destination. He came in. He struggled. He struggled mightily early on in the season. It was not good. It was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Really bad. We're going to see if... But he. the thing is... He finished, he finished, for the way he started, he finished very strong. Very under the radar, but very strong. And we're going to see if a whole offseason to, to work out and develop and get used to being the guy and get used to everything, we're going to see 
if that kind of brings him back around and if he elevates his play. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 4,000 or 5,000 yards and 40 TDs and only five interceptions. That's not what I'm saying. All Stanford needs him to do is because the thing with Stanford, they have to be able to throw the ball because you take away the run, you can beat Stanford. Stanford, uh, they, they, they have to be able to throw it 20 times and complete 12 of them. They need that. They need their success hinges on that. And if you want a, a point of reference for that, go and watch the highlights of the tapes from when Stanford played at Utah in Kevin Hogan's last year as their starter. Utah took away the run. They made Stanford throw to beat them. Hogan played terribly that game. INTs, pick sixes. And Utah just ran away with it and they upset Stanford. Who, I want to say they were ranked number three at the time. I could be totally wrong about that. They were a top 10 team, though. That is a fact. They were a top 10 team. But anyway, my point is, Stanford is one of those teams that they need that balance. They need that balance. So if he can come out and he can throw for 3,000 to 3,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, maybe 25 if we're being real optimistic here, and then let's call it eight interceptions. Think about that. 20 touchdowns, eight interceptions. You know what? Let's meet in the middle, say 3,250 yards. That's really all they need from him. That's all they need for him for him to do his part. And Stanford needs to have a bounce back year. They've never been as bad as uh, when Harbaugh kind of when Harbaugh and Andrew Luck ascended Stanford up to the the upper echelons of college football. Since then, when David Shaw took over, Stanford hasn't had a, a year as bad as last year. They haven't. Granted, they lost Bryce Young to the draft two years ago. They lost their best wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside two years ago. And their incumbent starting quarterback, concussion, season over. So they needed to reload, and they had injuries, and it's one of those seasons where it's the perfect storm, and it it just, really your goal is just getting through the season with everybody healthy. But now that KJ Costello transferred, we'll see if Davis Mills can be the guy. And maybe that's an indication that he is going to be the guy, and he has stepped it up. Maybe Costello leaving is an indication that Davis Mills is capable of of playing at the level he needs to play at. Anyway, though, we shall see. We shall see. And hopefully these guys all play amazingly well. Maybe one of them will win the Heisman, and they'll make me look like a genius who just knows everything about college football. That probably won't happen. They may all play terribly, and I'll look like a moron. But that's life. And that's just kind of the way things go sometimes. And I won't get too upset about it. I would really appreciate if they all played well. But I mean, you know, if one or, if one or two of these guys underperforms a little bit, it's not, the, it's not the end of the world. Just because I wasn't right about everybody, it's not the end of the world. But um, yeah, that wraps it up for me on uh, my players to watch out for that aren't certified studs, a.k.a. the P-T-W-O-F-T-A-C-S. If anybody can come up with an enunciation for that, for us, that's, like, makes some sort of sense phonetically, I would love that. Because I really, it's a long acronym to say. So, if anybody can come up with that, be my guest. Be my guest. That would be much appreciated. And you are the man or the woman.
whoever you are out there it's much appreciated um yeah so that is it for me from an undisclosed location in omaha nebraska i am signing off stay safe stay healthy go tigers thank you tim now i'll take it from here welcome back people to another episode of Ensemble Sports Talk. Uh, the first conference I feel like I should start out with, probably going to go east to west again, is the ACC. Um, some of the players, I know I mentioned him last week, but Gregory Rousseau from Miami, 15 sacks last year on a defense that's going to get better. Um, I would watch, I think he could be a great player for Miami. And... He could take another step up because last year was his first year of actually starting. So he can have a big, big year. And then the other one, I know I mentioned last week um, in our podcast, is Javian Hopkins. He plays for uh, Louisville. So most people will be like, oh, basketball school. But he had 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns last year for a guy who coached at Appalachian State a couple of years ago and made them very, very good. So Louisville is a team to watch out for. So And on a player on that team is the Hawkins. We'll probably go next to the SEC. And I only had a couple of players here because the SEC, to me, I, I struggled the most with returning players because a lot of them went pro. To, and to find players that aren't, like, Known, quite known. I thought I thought SEC was tough, um, but a couple that I got, and I certainly have not heard of them until I did some research. Was Jerry and Ewe from Old Miss running back, 800 yard season as a true freshman, six touchdowns. I guess quick, and he can make moves in open field. So he he he's just a playmaker. So that would be that would help. Certainly Old Miss to try to make something in the SEC, which we probably know won't happen. And then the next one is a linebacker. He's an old guy, older guy, Nick Bolton from Missouri. Because um, I, I, like, I felt like we need to respect the defense because I feel like defenses get overlooked. So therefore, um, I picked him, middle linebacker. Uh, got 100 total tackles last year. Uh, 70 solo, one sack, and uh, a couple interceptions. So, again, another player on the team, both from the SEC, that probably aren't going to do great. But, but Old Miss did just hire Lane Kiffin. So, and he is known to turn, make some offenses pretty good. So, it would be interesting to see what he can muster up with, with good offensive players. And then at Missouri... They're probably going to be classic six and six, seven and five again this year. But if they're going to do well this year on defense, Nick Bolton is going to be a guy you're going to have to watch out for because he's a playmaker, and Missouri certainly, certainly needs one to help them. Um, so I think now it would be best to probably go Big Twelve. And then we'll follow up Big Ten, and then lastly, the Pac-12. The Big 12, I had three. I had two that I like. One, I was like, oh, he, you know, he might be something. These two, I think, are the two best names 
that will come up in this college football season that I don't think a lot of people have heard of, certainly. And the first one is Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. He's a quarterback, will be a freshman, redshirted this upcoming year. He didn't play at all, as I just said he redshirted. So we don't know much about him. We haven't seen him in a college setting. So therefore that uh, that can be... That can be tough because, as I say, it could be anything. But from what I have heard, he can be the real deal and he could spin the ball with the best in college football. So, yeah, watch out for Spentler, Ratterat, OU, and Lincoln Riley. Just turns out quarterbacks. So I would not be surprised if he becomes a three-year starter at OU puts up some gaudy numbers, goes to the NFL in the first five picks whenever he declares. Because I I think, I truly think he'll be really good. Um, Another guy I had, I gave KU some love. I know, it's not basketball, so a lot of people might be confused. They got a running back, tailback, named Puka Williams Jr. He had 1,000 yards last year, only three touchdowns. But his freshman year, he had 1,000 with, like, eight touchdowns. So he's not getting better statistically. But with Les Miles, who likes to run the ball, and with him just getting Kansas to become a better team, his numbers are then just, you got to assume, increase. Because this would be Les Miles' third year at Kansas. And everyone knows that the third year is when you make the the leapfrog from being an average team to a really good team, or a bad team to an average team. That that it would it tells you if the coach you have is good or not, because the third year is when he finally gets all his players. So I think Puka Williams will have a increased workload, and like I said previous, Les Miles just loves absolutely loves to run the football. So he's going to get carries regardless. And then the third one, I'll tell you it, he's a linebacker again. As I say, because I, I like to respect the defensive players just because I think they get overlooked when people are talking about players returning the best players in the conference. It always seems to go offensive players. And his name is Terrell Bernard. He's a sophomore. And the reason, the reason I got him, it's because he had 112 tackles last year. So he has a nose to the ball. Plays on Texas Tech. So just watch out for him. He'll be he'll be pretty good this year. And then the next conference we're going to go into, I only have two in here again, is the Big Ten. But as, as you guys know, I watch the Big Ten the most, so I'm more familiar with this league than any other league. There's, there's two sophomores, will be sophomores, that I want to include in here. The first one is David Bell. He plays for Purdue. His season last year, 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns for a freshman. Purdue is that one school that just keeps finding finding talent at wide receiver. Rondell Moore last year. David Bell. Or David Bell last year. Apologies. Rondell Moore two years ago. Um, so this year, Rondell Moore will finally be healthy with David Bell. 
So I Purdue's one of those teams that I think is going to be very dangerous because they just they're getting athletes in the key positions. They might not be great, but I, they're not going to be a four and eight team again. They're going to win six, seven, eight games because it's hard to stop two dynamic people on offense. And Rondo Moore, he's got to have a big year this this year because. Uh, he he got hurt and only played four games, but he he's the focal point of that offense. So watch out for Purdue. They could be they're, they're gonna be dangerous on offense. It's gonna be hard to stop them, no matter who you are. And then the other dude, Wandale Robinson from Nebraska. He's a sophomore. He had 40 receptions, 400 yards, two TDs, 200 yards receipt, rushing, and one touchdown. So. An alright season, but he got hurt for the last three to four games of the year. And watching Nebraska, you could tell that something was missing on their offense when he wasn't out on the field. He is that. He is the most dynamic player on Nebraska. One of the most dynamic players in the country. He can make you miss. You come at him. He's going to do a little juke move and get by you. Um, he's one of the best... Uh, open field players I have seen Nebraska ever have, considering I'm only 23 years old, so I didn't get to see Nebraska in its heyday. All, all Nebraska needs is for him, from him, is to stay healthy. Because if he stays healthy, Nebraska's offense will be looking pretty good this year. Wondell Robinson, watch out for him. I think he's going to have a bust out year this year. He's going to break out. He's going to, I think, dominate the Big Ten, hopefully. Lastly, Obviously, the last conference we got to talk about, the Pac-12. So, it's interesting because the Pac-12 is known for their offense. That is that is a staple of Pac-12 football. Offense, offense, offense. We're going to score 70, 60, 50 a game to win. We're just going to hope our defense does enough so they don't outscore us. So, it's, it's interesting because then I, I included two... Uh, I included two players on the defensive side of the ball. Let's say those players, those are one of them at least, is Jihad Woods, linebacker, Washington State. And I think I just, I personally think linebackers are, are the most important player on the defense. I People disagree with me, but that's okay. Because as I say, linebackers get the most tackles. You like cover tailbacks, fullbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. They, they are used everywhere on the defense. And linebackers kind of need to be a jack of all trades. They even pass rush also. Um, so that's why. I just watch out for him. He had 141 total tackles. Um, so he has, the no, he has a nose to the ball like we previously mentioned on a couple of players. Um, Terrell Bernard and Nick Bolton. Um, so, and he had three sacks, two forced fumbles, one interception. So he's, he's making plays, essentially. You'd like to see those sack numbers go up, but also at the same time, he's 141 tackles. If Washington State obviously could get better players on their defense, he's a great guy to build the team around. Because you know he'll perform every week. And that, that, that is the most important thing for these players on this list. They need to perform every week. He's a senior, so he's been through thick and thin. 
He's been there a while. He'll never have an off game. The other guy I had is another senior from another team that you would not think of when I'm talking about players you need to watch out for that aren't certified studs. Um, this guy is Ham Hamilcar Rashid Jr. He's a senior. He plays for Oregon State. The dude, the dude gets after the quarterback. This is this is a prototypical linebacker. That just that just all his only job is to get the sack, because he had 14 sacks this year, two forced fumbles, and only 42 tackles. So that's telling me that Oregon State realizes that the dude, the dude can rush the pass. So why why keep him in coverage? Why do all this just get after the quarterback? Because that's the most important thing. So those are those are all my players from each league, major league, obviously. Our next podcast will be about who me and Tim are going to pick in our starting five, the Dalai Lama or Jesus.